I wake abruptly to the ringing of my phone alarm and reach quickly to shut it off before my bunkmates are woken up. a.m. and the sun is already streaming through the green and white checkered curtains. I dress quickly, grab my backpack, and slip on my rainbows as I head out the back of the reindeer cabin, crunching through the leaves on the way to the waterfront hill. My gait shortens as the decline steepens and I lean forward with anticipation. While I walk, the sounds and smells of Chestnut Cove drift up the hill to greet me a fishing boat trolling along the point, a lonely loon calling to the shore, smoke rising up from Inspiration Point, the coals having just been lit for the morning's breakfast cookout. I quicken my pace, craning my neck for a glimpse of the water. For the first time in days, the air is still and quiet with no trace of the howling wind and white-capped waves that have dismantled the H-Pier and kept water skiing and wakeboarding to a minimum. I round the corner by the girls' bathhouse at a jog and squint through the trees. The sun, just barely breaking through the misty morning, glints off the water that is mercifully, finally still. slow to a stop, marveling at the velvety smooth surface of the lake, and imagine the solemn skiers that will soon carve across it. In the distance, I see bleary-eyed counselors clutching their towels and huddling by the boathouse door, vying for a spot in this morning's staff ski. The rattle of a rusty chain reverberates across the water and wakes me from my trance as the bright red boathouse door begins to rise. Uh Uh-oh, I better hurry to avoid a scolding from Phil. The Nautique waits for no one, including waterfront staff. In a matter of minutes, I'm jumping into the driver's seat of the big air, pink life jacket over my sweatshirt and sunglasses resting on my sun-bleached head. The boat full of ski instructors waits eagerly as I key in the code and the engine roars to life. It's another day on the Brookwoods waterfront. Let's get into it. That's my line. Technically, it's three camps. We have three different encampments. Camp Brookwoods. Brookwoods. Camp Deer Run. Camp Deer Run. Three camps. Moreau and Brookwoods. Deer Run. River Outpost. The Three Camps Podcast. With your hosts, John Cooper and Seth Coates. Three camps. Before the start of creation, when the earth was still without form and void, Genesis 1-2 tells us that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. After four summers of working on the waterfront, I have to believe that it still does. From my very first moments on camp property, the waterfront drew me like a magnet. I was entranced by its sunrises and sunsets, obsessed with the ever-changing tempo of the waves, and amazed by the sheer volume of activity that descended upon it every day. 
From canoeing and swim lessons to sailing and solemn skiing, there wasn't an aspect of the waterfront that I didn't want to know absolutely everything about. Becoming a boat driver in 2021, after two years of teaching water skiing as a counselor, only deepened this infatuation. And as my years on waterfront continue to stack up, I'm amazed and humbled to reflect on the work that I have seen the Lord do year after year, both through the place and its people. Psalm 19.1 tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God, a phrase which I've always understood in a broader sense to refer to the way that all of creation teaches us about the nature of its creator. Nowhere do I see this truth reflected more clearly than from the diving pier. I've seen the lake smooth as glass, not a ripple in sight, calling to mind the promise in Psalm 23.2 that the Lord leads us beside still waters. Sometimes in the very same day, I've seen these same waters roar to life, crashing over the rocks with a startling crescendo, reflecting the mighty power of our God, which Psalm 93.4 tells us is mightier still than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea. As I have watched everything from thunderstorms raging across the cove towards the boathouse to warm summer rains falling over the H pier, have been taught over and over again about the vast nature of God, of both his peace and his power, his hand that is both mighty and gentle, and his promise to his children from Isaiah 43:2, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Apart from all of the activities that take place on the waterfront, the water itself teaches us so much about its creator. The Lord does not only work through his creation on the waterfront, but through the people that fill it with activity each summer. The best way that I can think to describe it is this. The waterfront makes kids feel like heroes. Whether their bravado comes from surviving a particularly bumpy tubing run, passing the endurance swim test for the first time, or finally landing the elusive backflip on a wakeboard, each of these opportunities offers our campers countless reminders of the truth that they are, as Psalm 149.14 says, fearfully and wonderfully made. This, coupled with the fact that these goals are always accomplished in community with generations of instructors, counselors, and campers encouraging one another in their pursuits, creates a perfect picture of the body of Christ for our campers to remember, even after their time on the shores of Winnipesaukee has passed. Through both the place and the people that make up the Brookwoods waterfront, God reminds us year after year of himself and his church, gifting us with images and anecdotes to call upon in our time between summers. Even in my darkest times, a simple image of the waterfront can call me back to the promises of God and all that he's taught me on its shores. What a gift we have to steward and offer all those who visit camp property. I pray that the Spirit of God will always hover over our waters. Hello and welcome to the Three Camps Podcast. This is episode 21. <clears throat> 22. Sorry. I'm Seth Coates. And I'm John Cooper. And what I want to know is how many of you just looked at your phone when they heard that alarm? That was awesome. Not not nice. I know. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> not sorry. It's a little triggering, perhaps. Yes, to hear the uh, phone alarm. Seth, how are you, man? I'm good. 
Yeah. Good. Just got back from uh, uh, kind of like a road trip, I guess. I, yeah. I flew and then did a road trip and yeah. flew home. Yeah. So you and let's see, even Tim was on the road, Tim Nielsen, Beth Walker, and Ben Tabone. But you were like middle of the country. Yeah. So I called it my middle America tour. I like it. Yeah. So uh, Ben actually went before me, but we both flew out and spent some time at Wheaton College. Mm. And then Ben came back and I carried on. I went down into Indiana to a school called Ball State University where we have some people. And then, and everything was one night. So one night and one day at each place. Um, mm. And then I went over to Cedarville and we have a, a bunch of people there and we recruited somebody new there as well. Um, and then I drove up to Hillsdale College, which is just into Michigan. And then I flew back from Detroit. Awesome. Yeah. Well, let's see. We got like two feet of snow when you were gone. <laughs> yeah, we got two feet on Monday, and yeah. I flew out the next morning. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. And then how was it out there? And then you got more snow. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Mm. Uh, okay, so it snowed every day. Really? Which I was like, ah, it's the Midwest, no big deal. Yeah. yeah small forecasts. Anyways, it's kind of a big deal because everything is a farmer's field. And so there's one night where... Um, I was driving by myself. I got up and, you know, left in the dark. And just as it's starting getting light out, I realized like, like I'm on this farmer's, you know, everything's like a county road. There's no major road that yeah. goes anywhere that I was going. Okay. So it's fields to both sides and whichever way the wind was blowing, it's like drifting across oh, the road. Yeah. Even if there was only like an inch of snow that night. Right. So this particular drive that I'm thinking of, um, it was not terrible out but it looked like it had been terrible out the night before and so at one point i'm like oh that's that's a tractor trailer truck and it's in that guy's field oh man and then oh and that's a car it's it's embedded in a snowbank in the ditch like to the wood to the hood right yeah like wow uh and then another tractor trailer truck in a different field looked like he had almost made it through the ditch like he was gonna be able to like turn around on the flat but his rear axle was still down in there like mm -hmm. the trailer yeah anyways that was my drive yeah so we didn't get a lot of snow, mm -hmm. but every bit of snow that we got was terrible. Got it. Yeah. Well, you got some prayer in. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, we did four hour drives that took six hours. Yeah. And yeah. Five hour drives that took seven. All right. Well, listen, I'm glad you're back. Yeah. No, and, it was a good trip. And you'll be going back out again at least a couple more times, right? Yeah. So I'm here this week and then I travel again and this will be our, what we call our East Coast store. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll go down Liberty University, Karen University, State College, um, I was at Messiah and then Grove City and then I'll hammer back from there. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Well, if you're listening, you may see Seth and or Ben and Beth Walker um, out and about. Also, shout out to uh, some of our college students. Cookie Camp is coming. Yes. Uh, yeah. But actually, we, we, we want to talk about uh, something that we've been kicking around Seth for a while now. And, you know, it's 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 funny because as I've talked about in the past, you know, I don't really get out much. Um, and I, I got down to the waterfront, I'd say like two or three times this summer, um, which was nice. And I always am reminded of how beautiful it is because I'm just never really down there and we'll find out later. But I, you know, we have Phil Lehman on and who was the waterfront director here at Brookwoods and Deer Run. And it's funny because he and I basically live opposite lives, but with the same kind of workload, he never comes up. I never come down and occasionally we see each other. Um, rarely, but, uh, I don't know. I was sort of trying around this idea of the water kind of being, and we talked about this a little bit with Cody Lachlan, um, 
the kind of equalizer where there's Brookwoods and Deer Run and Moose River Outpost, but everyone's kind of like equal at the waterfront. Everyone's just enjoying it for what it is. And, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, with all the things that change, usually the water is the kind of thing that doesn't really change. It's right. The constant. The constant. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I You have maybe the most beautiful of waterfronts. We, we do have a pretty good one here, too. But um, now Brookwoods and Deer Run, I think, has one of the best waterfronts. I, I may have said this before on a podcast. But, I think you did. Um, I think it's just, as far as like having fun at a waterfront, yeah. like awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then MRO, in my opinion, has one of these like uh, quiet, peaceful, kind of mm-hmm. like lake presence, right? Yeah. I mean, there's no houses. You don't see other houses from the shore. Um, right. It's just quiet and the mountain sits there kind of close by. Um, I was actually thinking about this yesterday on uh i was on a chairlift and it stopped and everything was super quiet and i thought oh wow it's been a while since there was like real quiet in my life yeah which um i just came off this trip and like i listened to audiobooks and whatever so it was this moment of like oh yeah i haven't probably had real quiet in my life since hunting season and then before that would have been uh up at camp on the lake and so the lake to me is that spot where when i go get a chance to go out on the lake it's often um, I'm usually fishing by myself or out with somebody else, but it's often, you know, late at night, early in the morning. Um, and it's, it's a place that I think of when I think of silence and quiet and yeah. like calm. And, uh, I don't know, at least it has that constant in my life. Yeah. You know, you're reminding me, and maybe we'll try and put this up on, um, Instagram or something. The, uh, when I went up to help, to, to do some cooking at MRO for the, um, the work weekend, yeah. um, because I'm this guy, I was up at four or something and I just kind of drove around a little bit and went to the wild side of uh, the wild program. And yeah, I got this really great look of the lake. It was still, it's that mirror image of, you know, the reflection and it's, I mean, it's, it's so beautiful, but it, I remember I, you're saying that and I'm like instantly taken back there. And it reminds me, you know, when you had said something about our waterfront was I think our first episode and the reason why, and this is, has been something in my head now for two years we had asked Sarah if anyone remembers. We had pitched questions of yeah, what will you this. what will you miss yeah. or, or what will you look forward to. And a friend of the show, Sarah Cohen, we asked her what she missed, and she um, just literally said, "I miss- the thing that I miss most is walking down to the waterfront." Um, and this meant something different to every member of my family. Joel misses it, walking down with the kids and the anticipation of being at the beach. Um, my kids miss the beach itself and swimming, but they don't remember much about what else is there. Um, but for me, it's, I miss that feeling of walking through the woods and getting to the waterfront and seeing everything running like kids, scuba diving, kids in swim lessons, the sailboats out, the canoes out and capsizing and doing their thing, boats going around the water, um, the nautiques out, people skiing and snowboard or wakeboarding um so it's the feeling of that stretch of the road where there's nothing going on and then suddenly seeing so much and um all the color and the brightness and the excitement of what is our waterfront i've even had people come to me and say when she said that i kind of it's going to sound silly but kind of yearned for it like it's something that we don't know we don't we we miss until that moment where you're like oh i totally get that and you know, in a very simple, really simple way, Sarah nailed it. And the water has that kind of quality to it where it's like transformational a little bit. Yeah, 
Totally. You know, one of the spots at camp that has like the biggest draw is the waterfront, um, especially for quiet time, right? Like mm. in that vein that you were just talking about, the transformational part, like um, the heeled pond rock, the boat docks, the swim docks, the coffee shop pit, that little sitting area. These are the spots that every cabin wants to be for PQT in the morning. Yeah, makes sense. All right, well, let's do this. Episode 22, baby. Let's get into it. Before we hear from our first couple guests, when we think about the waterfront, we were thinking about doing a whole series on the waterfront, but before we do, we thought we'd kind of set the stage of a few themes that we wanted to hit on this episode. One is that the waterfront is a constant when a lot of other things change. You just heard Seth and I talk about that. Another is that the waterfront is kind of like an equal playing field for people of all different uh, abilities and even desires to kind of come together and have fun, no matter what else is going on. And then the third thing is that while the water is kind of the constant at camp, certainly uh, it changes us, which is a nice thing to think about on reflection. So in this series, we intend to focus on a lot of things like sail beach, swim beach, the diving pier, the boats, the blob, scuba diving. But for now, we hear from a couple waterfront directors and a waterfront staff member on just some interesting things about the water. Just so you know, that first open monologue was from Ellen Sporko, used to be Ellen Goodling. And we have her in studio alongside Phil Lehman, who is the current waterfront director at Brookwoods and Huron. All right, so I'm actually joined in studio by two uh, waterfront rock stars here at Brookwoods and Deer Run. Uh, One who is kind of like new, as new as I am. We both started at camp in 2019, and she's already been on the podcast once before, but I'd like to welcome back Ellen Sporko. Hello. Ellen, good to have you. Thank you. Um, and if you'll remember, you were a top bunk, I think. Mm-mm. Bottom? Well, I thought that I would probably be a bottom, but I never went to camp, so it's all That's hypothesis. what it was. That's right. That's right. I'm remembering now. And it, for those of you who just need a reminder, there was a wedding announcement from Ellen uh, the last time she was on the pod, which might be the only time we ever do that, so you may be unique in that way. Oh, boy. Alongside Ellen is a real OG. Um, his name has been mentioned a couple times. He is currently the waterfront director of Brookwoods and Deer Run. With us is Phil Lehman. Phil, hello. Hello, how are you doing? Hi, uh, my name is Phil Lehman. Uh, this upcoming summer will be my 23rd summer at camp. Um, and I'm very happy to be coming back as the waterfront director yet again. I think this will be summer number seven uh, as the waterfront director. We ask everyone this question. If you had to choose, in fact, Cody Lachlan last week or last uh, episode mentioned bunk beds in the Hawk and your name was included. Would you choose a top bunker or a bottom bunk and why? Oh, I was always a top bunker. Um, I think the, the biggest reason when you're a camper to be a top bunker, if you really want to be competitive with those Thunderball games, there's the probably false uh, reasoning, but the top bunks are more athletic because you, you got to jump up every night. Yeah. Uh, so I always went for the top bunk, and eventually, you know, you realize the corner top bunk is better because you have a more storage space. 
Um, all right. Yeah, always, always top bunk, all the way through. Here's a weird. We never ask this question to anyone. Do you have a favorite Brookwoods cabin? Ooh, I mean, the old Ranger. Yeah. Uh, for anybody who lived there, really holds a spot in your heart. Um, I think the Bear Cabin. I was, I was never a bear camper, but I was a bear counselor. Okay. Um, and just some really good memories in that cabin. Nice. Uh, all the the graffiti from Legends of of Camp. Yeah, um, was really cool. Yeah, I uh, I don't know how much we can talk about this, but as I understand it, there are times when Bob, Executive Director Bob Strodel, will find someone's graffiti, and that person is now, you know, semi of clout at camp, and he'll like take a picture and send it to him, and be like, you know, well, we all had problems at one point, or we all were guilty of these things at some point in our lives. So yeah, makes sense. Now you're like just a man that lives on the water. It's funny for uh, Phil and I literally leave. We, we live similar lives during the summer, but we're in opposite parts of camp. So we kind of have these, this sort of knowing look, you know, when we cross paths, it's like, I, I see you, you see me, we know that we're working hard and that's about it. I never make it down to you. And sometimes you don't even make it up for a meal, uh, depending on the situation. Yeah, that was, uh, I remember, summer 2021 i don't think i came to a single lunch or maybe i made like one lunch because of the schedule just a lot of to-go boxes yeah ridiculous <laughs> thank you both for being here uh phil and ellen have be- as i said both been waterfront staff and phil is currently the director of waterfront in the past we've done different sort of themes throughout this podcast and some of that has been about like trips that people take and i always say i'm in the kitchen i don't know what it's like to go on a trip um, and this is another example of I'm in the kitchen. I don't really know what it's like to be down on the waterfront. I, I have never been to an official breakfast cookout. I was in a boat this year for the first time. Somebody uh, named Phil uh, was able to make that happen. I took my staff out. That was fun. Uh, but yeah, so it's kind of I think many people listening will go, oh, waterfront. Sure, of course. But what's very much a part of so many people's lives is like all new to me. So I'm going to ask stupid questions and you guys can just, you know, let that go. As we were talking about this idea that, you know, you look at camp and you think there's new construction. You mentioned the old Ranger. We have the new Ranger. Many people who are listening will remember that, you know, the dining hall that I only know has only been around for nine or 10 years. You know, everything from the facelift to deer run to, you know, new buildings and everything else. The idea that the waterfront is kind of the constant while things are changing all around us uh, throughout the years, the water kind of stays the same. I, I have sort of thought about the waterfront as like the, e- the great equalizer. You know, it doesn't necessarily matter how many years. I mean, some of these activities it does, but just in terms of being on the beach, being on the diving pier, it doesn't really matter, you know, what you, how many years you've come to camp whether you're Deer Run or Brookwoods. In some cases, you know, not even whether you're staff or a camper, like it's kind of the equalizer in that we're all there to kind of enjoy. I almost see it as like your guard can come down a little bit, you know, or people who came with a guard up get a little bit uh, disarmed, you know. Uh, it's it's kind of, I think of it as like an equalizer. It kind of just uh, levels the playing field for the kind of enjoyment you can have. And there's see. There's something on the waterfront for every person to feel awesome doing like there's like kind of high level stuff that takes years to cultivate which is like your water sports water skiing wakeboarding but then there's tubing which right like you can feel like a hero i mean i went tubing with 
your son Sammy yeah. <laughs> kind of after <laughs> after the summer and it was like his first experience ever and I, we probably went less than you know about eight miles an hour and it was awesome <laughs> and there so many things in between you have the blob you have like really riding waves on the H pier. Like there's just all sorts of the zoom flume now, like to really appeal to our younger campers. Like there's a lot, there's a lot of things you can do. And there's a lot of things that you can do that make you feel like you're really awesome. Like you're doing something really cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the image that comes to me is the diving board. Um, hmm. Because, you know, if I, if you're a world-class diver and you can do multiple flips and twists, I don't think you gain more joy doing that dive than the kid who just learned how to jump in the water and is like doing it for an hour straight. I feel like that kid's having a lot more fun mm. than I do when I jump in the water. But at the same time, I jump in the water several times a day off that dive board because it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Right. If you've been on staff at camp, you know staff really leans on each other and, and utilizes uh, the relationships and the support from one another to get through a summer. Uh, and, and we really do. I mean, staff members really have to work together across all of camp. Uh, the waterfront staff, while they do work with everyone else, uh, does kind of have a close, tight-knitness to themselves. And while I had Phil and Ellen, I thought I would ask, What's uh, something that's kind of behind the scenes of waterfront staff that somebody like myself or even maybe the average person on staff wouldn't necessarily know goes on? And Phil gave me kind of a fun answer. Although it may seem like it is enough of a perk to be on waterfront and, and hang out with me and Ellen all day, <laughs> uh, there is a very nice perk that we like to call quick pulls. Um, and occasionally, Quick pulls aren't, aren't so quick. We will plan maybe on a, a Tuesday or a Thursday morning uh, for the waterfront staff to head down early. And sometimes we'll go really early if we want to do a lot. And in the early morning when you get to the boathouse and I live on the water, so I wake up and look out the window and text everybody, it's on. And we all get there. We don't talk a lot because we're very tired. Uh, and the goodlings are not morning people, <laughs> but we just kind of grunt. The water, the water is is flat in places close to shore. It's glass. Oh, there's just little ripples. There's not a lot of breeze, and the water is steaming. It's a cold morning in the late summer. The light is is very icy blue. Uh, which really contrasts with the green of the shoreline. And we're bundled up in the boat. There's a, a silent fight to who's going to go first <laughs> because it means shedding your layers and getting cold and being cold for most of the next hour. Um, and somebody goes, the ballast is full, the weight is, is clean, um, and we, we cheer for each other. We take videos of each other. We play songs on cue for people that really want their starting song to be their starting song. You gotta have the um, right pump up song. You gotta be in the right mindset if you're gonna send it. Oh and you yeah. You gotta send it. So 
And you and you Those. have to know that sending it may result in being sore for the next three days. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, those those early mornings are where we we kind of earn the waterfront staff uh, mythology, I guess, where, mm-hmm. you know, kids think that we can do everything and it's kind of like, well, we, we do need to practice. Um, if we're gonna train the instructors, you know, I, I wasn't great at slalom skiing when I started as a as a waterfront staff as a swim director. All the years ago, and I, I needed to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those those mornings and the occasional lazy day afternoon mm-hmm. during rest hour, um, those are where we are really able to bond as a staff uh, and to to work on our own skills and also really just have a great time and take some cool pictures. <laughs> oh yeah, I love it. That's great. We're going to hear more from Phil and Ellen over the course of this series. For now, we're going to change gears and kind of finish with a final segment about how the waterfront can change us. I think we've talked about this before, to some extent anyway, but to let you in behind the scenes a little bit, Seth and I have always wanted this to be a time where people are taken back to their experiences at camp. And our belief is that while stories are unique to the individuals telling them, there's certainly overlap and um, shared experience and, and even just the memories of the places that we're talking about here at camp that can bring any of us who've been at camp back to that time. Furthermore, our goal is that as you remember these times at camp, you would also remember what the Lord would had taught you at camp and it teaches all of us. And I'm not going to go too much into this next part here, but Seth has a brilliant idea that we hope to follow through on somewhere down the line, but just take it from us. You know, when we interview people and we hear people tell stories, what's a really neat aspect of that is that we get to hear and in our case, see people kind of get transported back to camp and to close out this episode, we hear again from Cody O'Loughlin. And in a very simple and even short telling, uh, he kind of does that. He remembers what it was like even years ago and the things that would go on at the water. And, and you know, Cody, like all of us, can remember fond memories and, and sort of be transported back to that time. You know, off mic, Cody shared with Seth and I about the sort of therapy and healing that took place in the water for him. It was during a time in his life where there was a lot for him to think about and process and even recover from. And I don't know why, but even when I hear Cody talk about this kind of very simple daily practice he would perform, I can just find myself kind of right where I think he must have been and feeling the way he must have felt. Here's Cody. I I sort of have been away from camp for a while now. So I, I actually, I actually find myself, I have to like go back into like what it was like, like in my mind. I don't really write in a journal very often, but this is what brings, this kind of stuff brings me back. Okay. This is September 14th, 2015. So hopefully this doesn't turn like dark. (laughs) (laughs) All right. September 14th, 2015. This summer brought familiar things. The water of the lake, a camp cool and clear. 
diving to the bottom and sitting under the water at the bottom looking up. There's no sound down there, except the sound of the familiar water and the fish as they bubble to the surface. The sounds are so similar, and until you are under the water, you'll forget them. The blues and the greens of the lake seem forever lasting when you are there. But I'm back in the city now, and thinking of those colors and sounds, and not missing them intensely is incredibly hard. So I think for me, I, the reason I remembered that is because the first thing I think of when I, when I uh, think about the waterfront that brings you back is that 12 feet from the diving pier to the bottom. Hmm. Pretty much every day, actually definitely every day, not pretty much every single day, I would dive off that and go all the way to the bottom and I'd sit at the bottom and you can like, and it's really clear, we're so lucky to have a clear cove and um, you can see like the fish and they like bubble up to the top and I would just sit there and it's so quiet and blue and peaceful. Um, and so that's like kind of the first thing I think of, you know, I just think about how that deep water. Um, one time Emery taught me how to scuba dive, which I didn't know how to do. And Emery and I went scuba diving around there and I was able to, it was like a perfectly sunny day and the sun was like coming all the way down to the, you know, all the way down. So it was like really bright at the bottom of the water. And I remember being able to sit there for so much longer because I had the tank on, obviously. So that was a pretty amazing experience because I usually were able to sit there for about 30 seconds. And this time I was just sitting there for like four or five, you know, six minutes. And the color of the water there and how quiet it is down there, there's like sound, but there's not really sound. And that's kind of what I miss the most. And so whenever I go back to camp, in the summer or even the fall, I try to do that dive because it's the same. It's like the water doesn't change there. You know, the people change at camp and of course the buildings change. And of course, like the things to um, talk about and make fun of and gripe about and whatever all change. But like sitting under the water never changes, you know? And um, and that's for me, that's really that's really special. So that's definitely what brings me back. Yeah, that's definitely what brings me back. The Three Camps Podcast is produced by Seth Coates and myself. A big thank you to our guests, Ellen Sporko, Phil Lehman, and Cody O'Loughlin. Also, thank you to those of you who have listened to the end. Thanks for coming along with us on this, our 22nd episode. We will be releasing new episodes as we can. Thanks again. So long.